Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Pocket Casts, Drafts, and CrowdStrike. I'm Simone de Rochefort, a senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub, and Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack. How are we doing? I, I'm waiting for you to turn in your homework that we gave you on last week's show. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. we we Gee. told you to play Link to the Past, and there is now going to be a pop quiz to see oh, if no. you played Link to teacher, the Past. Teacher, my dog and my dog ate my switch. <laughs> my dog chewed uh-huh. all over my switch and, and yeah. drooled on it, and it, yeah. it broke this week. Well. You know, if you did it, you'll remember the answers to these questions. Uh, who's the first person you save in Link to the Past? Uh, 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 <laughs> Ramona. No, Christina, <laughs> I'm thinking Simone may have not played it last week. What, what do you I, I think? think? I think she didn't play it, and I and I think that I'm I'm really I'm not going to say I'm surprised. But I am going to say I'm disappointed. You think I just have time to yes. put down my PS5 <laughs> controller and stop yes. playing Elden Ring? Actually, yes. when, we, when we get to the part of the show where we talk about what we're doing this week, uh, you will understand how I spent at least three of the hours um, <laughs> that I should have spent playing Link to the Past. And we'll All understand right. the three hours that I will be spending on Wednesday when we usually record our show. Which is why we're recording on Tuesday. And then you're going to oh, be yeah. mad at me for making us move the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I uh, that that is a good note, though. Um, for, for listeners, we are recording a day early. So obviously something is going to happen, obviously. Yeah. So just that, that, that's why. So the reason, like, we're not talking about whatever massive thing um, gets announced in the next 24 hours, that's why. Yeah, you all know the thing that happens. Um, we were all there. We all saw it. Uh, we definitely have thoughts about it, but I think we're not ready to share just yet. But guess what we are ready to talk about after letting that marinate for a week? Elon Musk uh, oh. and his shenanigans at Twitter or out of Twitter, as it were. So it has been an up and down news week uh, for Elon Musk and Twitter last week. It was revealed that Musk had become Twitter's largest shareholder And then Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal announced that Musk would, in fact, be joining the board. Elon Musk spent the week tweeting various bangers like, should Twitter have an edit button? Should Twitter change its name to Titter? All kinds of excellent, really like top tier ideas uh, that one would like to see, love to see, in fact, from any any board member or employee of Twitter. And then on Sunday of this week, uh, Agrawal released a statement uh, walking it back saying, Elon Musk had, in fact, decided not to join the board. Uh, I'll read a little bit of this statement, uh, which it basically said uh, that Twitter was excited to, quote unquote, collaborate and clear about the risks. We also believe that having Elon as a fiduciary of the company where he, like all board members, has to act in the best interest of the company was the best path forward. Um, They had announced it Tuesday. He goes on to say... And saying that Elon would be appointed to the board contingent on a background check and formal acceptance. It would have been effective for nine, but Elon shared the same day that he will no longer be joining the board. Um, He goes on to say it's for the best. He's still our biggest shareholder. We'll remain open to his input. Uh, So Elon Musk, of course, has been a hardcore Twitter user for years to the detriment of society and occasionally to Tesla. (laughs) 
uh, in a New York Times piece about uh, this whole shenanigan by uh, Katie Conger and Mike Isaac. They write that he has 80 million Twitter followers and sometimes tweets a dozen or more times a day. Uh, this whole thing comes at a time when Twitter Twitter is having an interesting business situation, which we've covered in previous episodes. So Jack Dorsey was uh, Jack Dorsey left Twitter four ish months ago. Um, it has since been run by Peral Agrawal, but Dorsey left because he was ousted by Elliott Management Corp, uh, a, a stakeholder who is prior who wants Twitter to prioritize growth. I think they need to hit something like a hundred million. Uh, more users. Uh, They have really, really aggressive goals. And initially, the question of whether or not Musk would be joining the board and like what would happen if he did, it raised raised some interesting questions. Uh, People like Casey Newton of the Platformer Newsletter, formerly of The Verge, were surmising that like Elon being on the board could be leverage against this uh, activist uh, stakeholder corporation because he has a huge influence. He's the largest stakeholder and he's a loose cannon, as it were. Um, also, at the time that he joined, Twitter's stock shot up because people were like, oh, it's a meme stock now. Let's buy it. But now, uh, rather than theorizing what Musk would do as a board member for Twitter, people are theorizing all the reasons why this might not be happening, reading into both Agrawal's statement and to Musk's own uh, tweets and his own relationship with Twitter. What do y'all think about this whole situation? Do you know the the first episode of Succession where the headline is factory to talk about their family? Regrettably, yes. (laughs) Yes, it's great, 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 great show. Great episodes. That's that's this. Um, It's it's bad. Every way it could be bad. It's bad because you have a, a billionaire basically threatening to use to nuke a product that is going in decision in directions that he doesn't like his Twitter account is bad. It's, it's immature. It's, it's bad that, uh, you know, you had him filling out the forms before buying $9 billion of stock and saying he wasn't going to be an activist investor when he's clearly going to be an activist investor and the SEC doesn't do anything. It's, it's just bad top to bottom. It's bad how Twitter is now beholden to a a child. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's bad. (laughs) It's not good. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously it's not good, but I have to say, and and this is, I know completely unpopular and I'm probably going to get canceled for sharing this on the show. It is what it is. And, and YouTube will probably lose respect for me, but I can't help it. I, 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 I respect the trolling effort on, by, on behalf of the richest man in the world. I kind of do because speaking as the resident troll on this show, 100%, <laughs> because the thing is, is that, and I was talking about this with my, my old boss, Prashant, if I had half as much money as he did, I would probably do something similar. Um, it, because what are the consequences here, right? Like, they clearly didn't want him on the board because they didn't want him to influence policy that way. I think mm-hmm. that that was a mistake. I think that they overreacted because now what could happen is he could buy 15% of the company if he wanted to, and he could have a controlling interest, which would not be good for anyone. Um, and then he would be able to have a board seat anyway and and, and dictate the terms of whether he could or couldn't tweet. Um, so I think that some of the reaction, especially by some of the Twitter employees, and I say this because I have a number of friends who work at Twitter and I love and I respect them and I totally understand um, as, as well as a person can understand, because I, I don't work there, what it would feel like for someone 
to come in and basically like post on your work and 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 to disrupt that. Like I I I don't I I I'm completely aware of how horrible that would be. On the other hand, there's just a certain part of me that I can't like separating that very real and like human aspect of it. I, there's a there's a part of me that can't help but kind of respect the the game respecting game of okay, what is a company that a man with his means actually could buy enough of to influence in some way or at least make them be afraid of certain things? Um, and Twitter is one of the only ones that that is small enough that he could actually do that. Yeah, it's kind of I mean, it's kind of scary to to think about that, too. And I, I realize this isn't like the only example of this ever happening. I think it's just maybe particularly near and dear to our hearts because we're media it's, people it's who are on Twitter. Well, well, so it, it, no, I was going to say it's because it happens in our house. Like nobody ever cares about any of the leverage buyouts or any of the other um, yeah. you know, like like stalking horse bits that happen all the time. And that, that to be fair, ruin companies much more important and much smaller um, than, than Twitter all the time. So, yeah, yeah you're right. Also, you know, uh, one of my former companies was was sued out of existence by a billionaire. So, like, I yeah. I do have a certain amount of like, I, obviously, I, I think that Elon, all things considered, is is much more mild in this way. I also, if I'm going to be honest, I think he's bored. I think a lot of this is just Elon is bored and has more money than any one person has any business having. Yeah, and, it's not real. Like <laughs> at that point, right? I mean, so that's what I'm I saying. Actually, Cause, cause, you know what I mean? Oh, go on. Finish your thought. No, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, yeah, I think he's born. I think he's just kind of like, okay, well, let's play around with this. And then the reaction feeds into his reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and it 100%. makes it worse, to be completely yeah, honest. In, in the platformer newsletter, Casey put forth a theory that I, that makes a lot of sense to me, which is that this is fun for him. Like we've seen, pre- like he likes getting a rise out of people on Twitter. Oh, yeah. And the idea of him being on the board and tweeting all these things was funny. And the theory that Casey put forth is like at the point where it became real and this fiduciary duty became a looming specter on the horizon, like Musk has previously gotten in trouble for tweeting things that made Tesla stock tank. And as a board member of Twitter, he really like he he can't he wouldn't be able to behave the same way on Twitter that he does now. So a joke was taken but he would perhaps he would he would yeah but the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the the joke kind of ran as far as it could go right now without like having consequences from the sec for can, example well sorry go on yeah no no well i i was just gonna say he would and what i find so upsetting about this is you know christina i i really understand what you're saying about just the 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 spectacle of it it's like the slap right like you can't look away from it it's entertaining watching uh, a billionaire act like a 12-year-old boy and tell boob jokes on twitter right like it's 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 trolling right at the same time i don't talk about every single meeting i have with twitter I don't. But when you look at a lot of the policies that conservatives are are targeting and talking about and complaining about, I'm going to take some credit. I helped. I worked with them explicitly to set those policies when they needed to bring in 
academics to prove that certain things were real threats, uh, like, say, to the transgender community with some of the ways that uh, transgender people are harassed on Twitter. I connected them. I like I worked with them on this, and I, I am truly worried that a lot of the progress that has been made at Twitter in addressing harassment is going to be uh, undone by this. And I think Elon Musk getting on the board, you know, he doesn't give a damn about any of this. He doesn't give a damn about people being treated with some respect or the harassment policies. Mm-hmm. You read what he wrote about this. His big worry was Justin Bieber isn't tweeting enough. Give me a damn break. And <laughs> I, I just think the potential for harm here, it's like, I get you on the trolling, but the potential well, but I mean, he's to not on the board. But, but he's back, not on the right. board. But, right. but, but he's he's not on the board. So all that is moot. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but that didn't happen. And we don't know what would have happened if he was on the board. The one thing I did want to push back on is I think that people who think, oh, well, this would have been some sort of SEC violation for him to continue to tweet the way he did. I actually think that's false. I think that this was a loophole that they used to kind of amicably not appoint him to the board. Because so you think that Twitter was responsible for making this decision, not Elon? Yes. 100%. I, I also think that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think Twitter heard from their, uh, this is just a guess. I don't know anything internally. I think that Twitter probably heard from their employees that they did not want this. I think that the, that the employees had probably very good reasons to worry about what sort of influence this person could have on their company, which is completely understandable. Um, I will also point out that if Elon really wanted to take over this company, he could. And and that is that is just a fact. So, you know, well, yeah, sometimes- Yeah, but why would he want to? Well, be, we, you don't know. I'm just saying if, if if he the guy has so much money and doesn't seem to really care. And so my, my point is, is that if he if he did actually want to take it over um, the same way if L.A. management or some of those things did like Elon actually has a lot more uh, opportunities to get the capital together. That's all I'm saying. I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that's a, a, a good thing. I'm not saying that would happen. I'm just saying that like the pushback against, oh, oh how dare he be a shareholder? It's like, OK. If you're way too vocal about that, you might just give him ideas. But that's just my take. But but no, my 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 take on this is my perspective is I have a feeling that they heard from their employees, they heard from other people, maybe even other board members, who knows, and that they were like, "Yep, we we don't want this. We don't think this is a good thing." And then you start looking through, okay, well, what? How can we prevent this from happening? And you know, initially, one of the reasons they gave him a board seat was because he would only be able to own a certain percentage of stock and he wouldn't be able to become the majority shareholder, which mm-hmm. frankly is, is, is if you're Twitter, if, if you're Prague Agarwal, if you're Jack Dorsey, if you're anybody else who has a significant like stake in the company, if you're Elliott management, you probably don't want, because again, the guy is like a child and gets bored <laughs> and has no consequences for his actions and, and is not going to have consequences to, for, for a lot of his actions. And if he wanted to just, you know, like blow stuff up and, and go crazy, like, like, uh, Masa from, you know, uh, SoftBank, like he could totally do that and nobody would be able to really step in and, and stop him, so to speak. But I think that what happened is they looked into it and they said, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll say, if you're going to be on the board, you have to adhere to these certain terms in terms of your public statements and how you communicate. Um, and that and this would be a break of fiduciary responsibility, which in theory, I think is probably true. I also think that if they wanted him on the board, they wouldn't care. I think that if they wanted him on the board, mm. him tweeting things that could potentially were negative about the company would not be a concern. Because if, 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 he, if he was somebody they supported, I think that they would see it as 
yeah, you know what? Like, no publicity is bad publicity. He's tweeting. People are covering him and are, are covering that. And, and they'll, you know, say, you know, Twitter shareholder. And and it might not have any sort of material, you know, impact on the stock. I think you could also make an argument if you were Alon's lawyers. And again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm especially not a financial attorney. But I feel like there would be an argument to make that unless he was tweeting about, like, things that he knew insidery or that were material to the financial strength of the company— that just because his tweets could have an impact on the stock, I don't think that that's necessarily like that. That, that means that that he can't, you know, like be be critical of a company that he holds shares in. Um, if that so was the case, it's kind of a smokescreen. Yeah, I one hundred percent. I think that they didn't want him on. They found a way to kind of get him out, and and um, now the 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 problem I think for for Twitter is okay. He's not on the board anymore, but if he really wanted to shake things up and if he really wanted to to take control, which I don't think he does, but let's just say he did, well, now you have even less things stopping him. Because mm-hmm, now he can buy more shares. Now he can buy more shares. And and at a certain point, like if he if he did, let's just say, like, and I don't think he will, but let's just say that he did own like the like he was the single largest shareholder in the company. Like let's say he had 15%, that he had like majority share or whatever. At that point, you know, um, he could obviously choose to be like just a completely passive investor, but I seriously doubt that that, you know, I mean, but he's put that much money into it. So most people who have that sort of investment aren't in that situation. So mm-hmm. I think he could have much more of, of an impact and and would at the very least be somebody that other big shareholders could use to try to, you know, fortify whatever, you know, their game of of, of thrones and in, in succession stuff would be. <laughs> Which seems to be the the way that Twitter uh, leadership does function in the last year or so, at least. Yeah, I, I, I buy that theory, but I think it to me it's equally likely that like this was a goof that got taken up to the point when there would be actual responsibility and that he just didn't want to and that he'd wanted to get a, a rise out of people. Um, I, yeah, go ahead. No, that was the end of Sorry. My, my thought. No, I I agree with that, Simone. I I I really agree with that. I think that you know before this, he was talking, you know, with that conservative talking point, like, is it time for a new social media network because the Babylon Bee got suspended for telling <laughs> a terrible transphobic joke, and then he went and bought some stock, which I think really uh, uh, points to your. Your your uh, assertion, Christina, that he's bored, right? Uh, so then he goes and buys a bunch of stock. It's it's just this cultural grievance, right? And um, you know, I I, I do think I I'm not as laissez faire. I think about the danger that he posed to Twitter and like kind of the the resistance, like the legal jeopardy that he brought to the company. Um, you know, I think that this is a man that had a history of, you know, a very famous lawsuit of calling a guy that tried to rescue some children and a he pedophile. Got and, and, right? and and he was and found he not guilty. Off. And he, right. he was also but, not sanctioned by the sure. SEC for other things. So but sure, you're but correct in this, but I when I go and fill out insurance forms uh, right now for a, a nonprofit that I'm starting up, one of the first things we do is go and uh, file 
you know, forms to get insurance for the board members, right? One of the first questions you're asked is, have you been in any lawsuits in the last few years? You know, that does increase risk. Uh, there is a dollar amount attached to, you know, that lawsuit that increases risk for the company, even if he did manage to dodge it that time. Uh, you know, he's at the point where the SEC has investigated him. He actually has to have a lawyer review his tweets before he sends it out because it could be seen as manipulating the share price. And I think that adults concerned with making Twitter a long-term bet, uh, you know, like a long-term stable company, I could see that them looking at that behavior and saying, like, this isn't something we want here. I can also tell you the people I personally know that work on the trustee, trust and safety team, I think the kinds of things that he's talking about dismantling would be extremely demotivating for a lot of the people I know that work at Twitter to mm. the point that oh, I yeah. could see mass resignations. Oh, so, and, and you're, you're not wrong yeah. about any of that. I, I just don't think that any of that would would change the fact that if they really wanted him on the board, he would be on the board. Right. Like, I, th- I think I'm we're saying basically saying the same thing. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. No, of course, of course, of course they don't. But, but, but I, but I think that it's, uh, you know, it's, but, but I also feel like if he really wanted to do damage what we think would be damaged this company, what he might see as, as, as helpful, whatever. If he really wanted to take over this company, there is almost nothing that could stop him from, from having a very active role, no matter how much people might push back and no matter what type of, you know, like mass resignations or whatever might happen. I mean, I think this is the unfortunate thing with this. He is absolutely in the power position. And I think that anybody who, who thinks otherwise, that's how you wind up really setting yourself up to be like in a bad situation when you don't recognize who the person mm-hmm. who who holds all the cards are. And for better or worse, he is definitely in the driver's seat. And just because he's not on the board doesn't mean that he won't still potentially have impact and doesn't mean that he isn't still a looming threat. And and I, I would I would be worried to be, you know, the CEO who already had to kind of you know, got the job um, basically through attrition, basically because the, the the board, you know, was was like, all right, Dorsey's out. And so I guess we'll give you a shot. It's not really the same thing as being like, we'd like you to step up and, and we think you could be a good leader. Now, sometimes people in that situation can turn out to be very, very successful. But, you know, it, it's not as if you're necessarily, uh, it's not a guaranteed thing. So I feel like, I don't know, like, I just hope that the people who are playing this game with him recognize that he is in a much better position than they are and respect that. Yes. And also that, I mean, as with most troll culture, there is no, <laughs> like there, there's no winning. There's no version right. of uh, uh, like beating him in his game. Cause I truly don't think that he cares. No, there's not. He just wants exactly. to make people mad and cause chaos. That's what he enjoys. Uh, hey, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pocket Casts. How good is the app that you're currently using to listen to this very podcast? Does it mix your music and podcasts into one confusing experience? Uh, Christina, sing a song really quickly. Will I, will I talk? Wait, why would, it, okay, that, why would that matter? Oh, why here, it's singing? a podcast. I oh, look, it's know. mixing it all together. Doesn't that sound bad? Thank you. Does it have all the features you need? <laughs> is it thoughtfully designed by people that listen to podcasts each and every day? Well... Why not try something new? Pocket Cast is built by podcast listeners for podcast listeners. No matter how you listen to podcasts, Pocket Cast has you covered. Pocket Cast seamlessly syncs your listening progress across iOS, 
Android, web, and it supports Amazon Alexa and Sonos smart speakers. With CarPlay, Android Auto, and even Android Automotive support, you can listen in your car as well. You can enjoy the vibrant, constantly updated discovery section too, so that you can find your next podcast with ease. Pocket Cast has Apple Watch support, including offline playback for when you're jogging without your phone, plus AirPlay and Chromecast support too. It's also fun to check out your listening history and stats, and it will also automatically rewind podcasts a tiny bit if it's been a while since you listened so that you can easily catch up. I know I'm constantly like having to to pause my podcast to do things like speak with a person on the street, things like that. Um, so I, I really appreciate features that like let me that just back it up, just back it up a little bit because I was I was focused on something else for a second. Pocket Cast is completely free to use, but as a listener of this show, you get some exclusive benefits. Go to pocketcasts.com slash rocket to download Pocket Casts and redeem a six month free trial of all the premium features in Pocket Casts Plus. And if you're already a Pocket Cast user, but you haven't tried Pocket Cast Plus yet, you too can redeem this offer. Go to pocketcasts.com slash rocket to find out more. Our thanks to Pocket Cast for their support of this show and Relay FM. Ah, now it's time to talk about everyone's second favorite topic of all time. <laughs> cryptocurrency. <laughs> More specifically, so bridges. Yeah. All right. Bad so crypto as, security. Yes, crypto security, cryptocurrency security, um, blockchain security. Really. Okay. So this is another story that initially we didn't cover when it broke, but we're kind of circling back to it as the conversation has matured. As you might have read uh, a, a little while ago, the NFT game Axie Infinity. Uh, which was covered extensively in the uh, the line go up uh, cryptocurrency video on YouTube, which is really great, which I hope you watched that game. Uh, their Ronin network was hacked for six hundred twenty five million dollars in crypto. Um, so Ronin is essentially a bridge platform uh, that was used to like transfer cryptocurrency from one different blockchain to another. Uh, Bloomberg reports that over the past year, vulnerabilities in blockchain bridges resulted in about a billion dollars uh, lost to hackers in the cryptocurrency space. Uh, among those, uh, as The Verge wrote, the platform Wormhole was exploited for $325 million, And then before that, $600 million was stolen from a, uh, a bridge called Poly. And it was then returned. But that's a story for a different time. Uh, so bridges are vulnerable to attacks because A, they are full of money. And B, they're handling complicated requests. And as Corin Fife at the Verve, Verge wrote, uh, unlike blockchains themselves, bridges essentially don't necessarily have a, a standard for how to keep themselves secure. In the case of Ronin, there were nine nodes um, and a certain number of them needed to, to like grant approval to an action. And these were all gradually compromised. Um, they have since changed that procedure. But... 
Um, yes. So not all bridges are built on the blockchain. They just interact with it. And that makes them flexible and lighter, but it also makes them more vulnerable to exploits and also to social engineering. Uh, On-chain bridges might be more secure, but they could also be harder to fix if there is a flaw, which there will be because coding is complicated and very, very hard. <laughs> uh, for Axie Infinity, unfortunately, like this hack, well, not unfortunately, because uh, yeah, it's a very deeply flawed game. Uh, this hack came at a time when the game's economy was theoretically rebalancing after just a huge, huge uh, kerfuffle over the last few months where it was just the the value of its in-game currency was dropping drastically um it had been being used by people in the philippines for example as a job um the currency the the daily earnings dropped actually below minimum wage in the philippines so there was just huge huge reshuffling um and the company had to really like step in and rebalance things that was kind of the adjustment that was happening in the in-game economy when the uh the millions and millions of dollars were stolen so this is kind of a, a an aspect of uh, of crypto security that we haven't talked about on this on this show before. It's it's something that has arisen, I think, from cryptocurrency being so decentralized um, and the need to move to move uh, assets between different blockchains, um, and and the fact that the easiest way to do that might not be the most secure way. And as we've seen over and over again in all types of technology, not just cryptocurrency. That's often the case is that the way that people want to do something is not the secure way, um, but generally the easiest. So do you got, do you all have thoughts on uh, the Axie Infinity hack and the state of blockchain bridges? I, I think that's a hard one because you, know, you look at Axie Infinity, which a go watch the gameplay. It's not a good game, right? And then you look at the way that you know cryptocurrency is being used to basically uh, condemn poor people to doing the same thing that happens when you buy gold in an MMO, which <laughs> is basically level up so someone else can make money. It's not ethically good, right? And I think it's hard because you know I I will cop to this like christine has admitted to some crimes on the show today i will cop and admit that you know my first reaction was good right when it's not good i mean this is people getting defrauded out of their money and even if i don't like something that's it's not a good thing as far as the the larger infrastructure problems here i think that you know, there's no financial system that's truly secure, but I think generally speaking, PayPal and you know, stocks and banks have been better at locking down assets from these kinds of attacks because all the incentives are aligned, right? Like you've kind of got the political government ready to prosecute people that do wrong yeah. things. Uh, you know, you're buying, you're essentially giving up money to a lot of politicians to introduce bills that you like to make all these assets safer and benefit the rich. Like the, 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 the incentives are very much aligned with cryptocurrency. There's, there's less incentive there to kind of, um, get the cybersecurity right for these products from the word go. It's more of a, a scramble, right? So, mm. um, I think that, I, I think that, you know, you can look at, uh, you can look at crypto overall and you can see how it has gotten, um, 
more secure. And I have no doubt that bridges overall, like especially from this incident, will be worked on. These vulnerability attack surfaces will get patched. But I think the at the end of the day, the incentives are not aligned and crypto is never going to be as secure as, you know, a more mainstream financial product. Yeah. So I, I actually I have a slightly different take on that. I don't know if, if crypto will ever not be as secure as a mainstream financial product. I think that in theory, it could actually be more secure, assuming that you had the right sort of auditing in place and whatnot, just because everything is put on a ledger and you do know where everything is. Now, being secure means a number of different things, right? I mean, it, it means that you have track of where everything goes, but it doesn't mean that no one is going to take advantage of something and that people aren't going to, you know, um, uh, like you might not have, you know, you, you just as as you have, you know, uh, crooks in the, the big financial system, I think that you ob- obviously we have plenty of them in in the crypto space. I do feel like bridges are one of those areas where, you know, I haven't talked to enough um, like like deep um, um, blockchain um, advocates and, and experts on this, but I have a feeling that that a lot of people who consider themselves really into the cryptography aspect of cryptocurrency mm. are probably not big fans of of bridges to begin with because bridges are a hack essentially right the whole reason that you're the whole reason that you have a bridge is because you're trying to lower those transaction fees you're trying to lower in in ethereum you're trying to lower the gas fees because that right now they are so enormous um and, and things take so long that it really does make it kind of impossible for people to play the game in this case right which it, it, to a certain point kind of says, okay, well, maybe this is a sign that the mechanism that you're looking at for this game just doesn't work. If if the the gas fees, which are always, you know, kind of indicative usually of, of kind of demand and other things, if, if those are so high, then maybe this isn't the right protocol and the right use case for this type of game. That's just a thought on my behalf, right? Like maybe this shows that as much as everyone was saying that Axie uh, Infinity was, was going to be you know, this this big harbinger for NFT games and, and and blockchain stuff, maybe what it really shows is that actually there still aren't necessarily good reasons why are you using a blockchain for gaming. Hmm. But putting all that aside, I feel like the bridges are in in many ways a kind of a hack. And and because of that, you know, you a lot of this still comes down to as much as people want to turn around throw around terms like decentralization and and this and that. Really, this is coming down to a lot of centralized and, frankly, like regular Web 2.0, even Web 1.0 security systems about how people are protecting keys and um, how they're um, authenticating access and who has access to what. Um, The only difference is that unlike, you know, banks where a lot of times they can reverse a transaction and that, in fairness to, to the crypto community, took you know, uh, centuries to really happen yeah. and, and really took the, the collapse of the stock market and of the of the economy in 1929 to really have FDIC stuff, right? And, and even then, if we were to have some sort of massive run on banks, like there are questions about like, okay, how well does, would the Fed and other things be able to stand up against it? But we're not going down that path. I'm just saying like, oh, we have those protections now, but it's not like they've always been there. But, you know, um, the just because you can't like reverse the transaction or whatever, um, doesn't mean that there aren't things that people could do to still make sure that things are secure. That they, I mean, in this case, this was some very amateur bad security practices, mm-hmm. and um, 
on the one hand, I fear that the people will use that as an excuse to see, okay, well, this could never happen to me when in actuality it could happen to a lot of people. Um, but what I what what I hope happens instead is that people do kind of look at these bridges, especially, and I'll say this, because the people I feel for, I feel for the users. I know that they've said that they're gonna make you know people whole and whatnot, but but I really feel for anybody who'd actually invested money and they didn't have a choice whether or not they were going to be using a bridge or not. You know, Axie brought the bridge out, they made a big announcement about it two years ago. And, and they said, okay, this is what our solution is going to be to get around the high gas fees. Okay, fine. But it's not as if people who were already in your ecosystem had any choice. It's not like when a crypto exchange is hacked and, uh, you know, like when Mt. Gox and some of the other exchanges are hacked. And if you kept your money in that exchange for convenience and you lost your money, there's a certain amount of personal responsibility, a personal responsibility that does go with that because everybody mm-hmm. knows these things can't be reversed. This is, it's just like cash. So you need to, you need to keep this maybe in like, um, you know, cold storage or, or in some sort of, you know, like, um, like smart wallet or something, but you probably shouldn't keep it, um, in, on an exchange itself unless that exchange can do what a bank does and, and, and cover your losses up to a certain point. Um, but with the bridge system, it's not like people playing in the game had, any sort of choice in that matter, right? If you wanted to participate, you, your stuff is happening within the bridge and those wallets were linked. And so it, you know, if, if you had money in those ecosystems, it's gone. Um, I do hope that this maybe will open people up who maybe have, I think, probably been overly reliant on bridges and haven't paid any attention to the security things that are necessary to pay attention to that. And, and again, like this is a very web 1.0, web 2.0 problem, which is a lot of, you know, the way that the uh, DevOps and infrastructure is uh, built is by using lots of different third-party services and lots of other, you know, building on work from others and sharing credentials. And if you forget one time, and this is how most hacks happen, is that somebody gets in through one way, and it's usually because somebody didn't, you know, um, um, revoke um, permissions early enough. And if, and if you're not going through those steps, and if you don't have people who have security as a priority, which you would think in a community like crypto, it would be a higher priority, but it's not. Yeah, I, you know, for me, it's kind of a. I I hope that it could function as a wake up call for the people in positions of leadership here, because I, I I think we because we've been working with online banking for I don't know what twenty years ish at this point. Like we all have 30. a certain as users expectation of ease. Like I think about the way that we do bank transfers now. Not the way that it was when I was a kid, uh, <laughs> but like I can just log on. I, I can open up my app on my phone and be like, move money and money will right. move. Venmo exists with incredible ease. I can just. I'm glad you mentioned Venmo because Venmo is actually kind of a, a good pushback a little bit, Brian, what you were saying, because Venmo, if right. you send money to someone and and like you're doing an in-person transaction and it turns out that they sold you something fake or whatever, um, you're SOL. Yeah. Who's not going to give you your money back? Mm-hmm. So sorry, go on. No, that's a really no, good. I, but but to me, this is a lot more similar to uh, like you're talking ultimately a transaction in dollars to dollars, right? To me, this is much more similar to like Bretton Woods and the global the globalization system, like moving uh, currency between countries. And if you look at the nuts and bolts about how that works, 
my God, that's a complicated problem as anyone following mm-hmm. like Russia def- selectively defaulting yep. on their death this week mm-hmm. can go. How does our globalization system work? Like vastly oversimplifying it to talk right now. You know, it's through like currency valuation, through pros yep. and uh, markets figuring out where the incentives are highly aligned to find out who's lying about X, Y, and Z, and uh, agreements between countries to honor certain economic transactions. And, you know, the equivalent of getting gas fees down is, you know, most favored nation trading status and, you know, this agreement to go to arbitration. The, The bottom line is all those things required government action and regulation and agreements between all these parties, right? The incentives are aligned. I think the thing with Bitcoin is the incentives are not aligned to create any of that stuff. So, um, you know, could it, like from a computer science point, could it be done? Of course it could. Like, it could be done better, as you say. I just, I think, generally speaking, the incentives are not aligned to provide that level of security, in part because the cryptocurrency and Bitcoin have been such a uh, utopia for scammers, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, and that kind of gets back to what I was saying, which is that for for me, it is, it is something that I hope that people who are in like positions of power within cryptocurrency think about, because as much as uh, the ideal is that it's decentralized people are making decisions there and users will always crave ease users will always crave a seamless experience but somebody needs to to look at this and think okay what what actually is necessary to keep this secure for people and maybe focus on ways to prioritize safety over convenience essentially yes i think in cases like this no i i would agree i mean like i know why they they did the bridge because they didn't want to have to have people waiting, you know, um, a long time to play the game. They wanted to get the gas fees down. You create the intermediary. It makes complete sense. It's just in this case, they didn't bother to think about the security. So I'm with you. I hope if anything comes out of this, because this stuff isn't going to be regulated. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's just not. And and, yeah. and even if it were, that's not going to prevent what happened here. People will still have their own off-chain things. So I think that if we could take anything from this, it would be, I hope that other projects that are using bridges are way, 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 way smarter and more thoughtful about their security practices. And I also feel like this is yet another reason why I think if anybody is involved in anything in in the Web3 or the crypto space, one of your first hires has to be um, a security professional and you need to have regular security audits. Like Mm -hmm. that's just... Yeah. To me, that's 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 true for almost anything that deals with finance. Security needs to be at the top of mind, but I think it's especially true here because you don't have any recourse when even if you know exactly where it goes, okay, you can send the cops after them, but what are what authority do they have and and how are they maybe going to be able to get things back? Like the recovery process is is not clear yeah. at all. So yeah. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by drafts. Drafts is more than just another notes app. It gives you a new approach to using your iPhone, iPad, Mac, or Apple Watch because it starts as a low friction way to capture your thoughts. Drafts launches ready to type. No fumbling around to find the right app or the right folder or create a note only to find that you forgot why you were doing that thing in the first place. Just open up and start typing or dictate. You will never lose that thought, that magical thought. And once you've captured your text, the customizable editor gives you a familiar place to 
hone your thoughts and make them more appropriate to share with others. Drafts comes with great markdown support. It comes with tools for arranging lines, your choice of fonts and font sizes, and other editing options as well that will make Drafts your go-to scratch pad for everything from journals and checklists to drafting emails, all without the danger of accidentally sending it before you're ready. <gasps> and when you're ready to do something with your texts, Drafts powerful actions are there for you. You can send emails, messages, and tweets. You can create lists and reminders. Plus, it integrates with hundreds of popular apps and services, making it easy to fit into any workflow, especially when you can make the most of their ready-to-use actions from the drafts directory or build your own. The possibilities are endless. Also, drafts is always free to use so download it today, try it in your dock for a week, and you might find that you cannot live without it. If you want more, unlock the power of themes, workspaces, custom actions, and more with Drafts Pro. April 2022 marks the 10th anniversary of Drafts' original release in the App Store. That's amazing. And to celebrate, they're offering new users a full year of Drafts Pro for a fraction of the normal cost. And for details, you can visit Get drafts.com that is getdrafts.com g-e-t-d-r-a-f-t-s dot com our thanks to drafts for their support of this show and relay fm yay all right dessert this week is another of our scam spring shows oh. it is we crashed <gasps> from apple tv this is the backstory of WeWork, starring jared leto and anne hathaway um, I have only watched the first episode of it, part of the first episode. I was, I know, I was it's literally so watching it while I was working today, being like, shoot, we have to record. I need to get through this. But I also needed to make pasta. Um, but you two have both been singing its praises, and you're not alone because it's gotten, I think, mostly good reviews that I have seen floating around online yeah. um, praising New, New the York performances and it? then also the pacing. Yes, New what? York Magazine did hate New York it. Magazine, New York what? Magazine hated it. They, they ripped it to shreds. I think New York Magazine just, I, I'm going to be honest, I felt like it was probably the wrong reviewer for the show because I just, I don't, th I don't think the reviewer understood, like, and maybe it's just it shows are different for everybody, but this it clearly just was not the show for that viewer for sure for for, for that reviewer for sure. Mm -hmm. What a but you two loved it. Hey, those are my colleagues, I, I, and nobody is I, a dummy. Okay, I'm sorry, but it's really really good. I mean, it's stunningly good. Um, you know, like I realize some people find Jared Leto like annoying. Uh, this is the role he was born for. Like every oh, yeah. single second he's on screen, you cannot take your he's, eyes off him. I, like. Yeah, I mean, uh, we should just go ahead and and just uh, people should start preparing themselves for the fact that he is, um, actually, I think he has a very. It depends on how they categorize things, but I think he has a very good chance at winning an Emmy for this performance. I I absolutely agree with that. And Anna Hathaway is also extremely extremely. She's good. incredible. She's kind of playing the same character she always plays, but it's a very well acted version of that character. Um, you know, like the wife involved with We Crash could have been 
like, do you know what I mean? Like the most male written, uh, barely their role. And she is an executive producer on this and turned it into a real meaty role with a lot of emotional substance there. Um, and, you know, it's very similar to The Dropout in the sense that, uh, you know, I can't help but like root for both of them. Like, even though I read the papers and I don't in real life, but they, they bring so much life to these characters that. I mean, I'm rooting for the bad guys. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I wouldn't say that. So I've watched the whole thing um, and um, I, I'm not sure how many episodes are out yet, but it, it's it's really good. Um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as to say like I root for them, but I certainly get enjoyment out of them. Right. Like I, I think that it, if, if I can like put kind of a difference, like it's one of those things where and, I, and I've said this, like if we go back to past, if we go back a few years and we listen to past Rocket episodes, that's pretty consistent with my opinion of um, Adam Newman from the beginning, which was to say, do I think that the business was completely flawed on its fundamentals? Yes. Do I think that he was, you know, out of his mind crazy? Yes. Do I think that um, he, what he did was completely legal and was completely aided and abetted by venture capitalists and, and other people who bought into his hype? Yes. So to me, I think that of all the stories like, you know, Uber and, and Theranos and and now like 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 WeWork and some of the other ones, like I can't help but look at WeWork. And, and I know that like there was a very serious like toll on all the, the people who worked there and bought into the vision and all that. And I'm not trying to, to, to discount that at all. But I feel like in terms of like who were the victims here, like there were the fewest victims in in this saga than a lot of the other scams we've covered, mm. mostly because like the the if you want to be mad at people like be be mad at, at softbank be mad at the vcs who just completely let this happen it's not like any of this was done underhanded or, or covered up like it was all blatant and in your face which is kind of i'm not gonna lie i i, I kind of i'm like you know what i respect it like I, I i i like if no one's gonna stop you and if you're gonna be able to be both you and your wife can be this ridiculously out of touch and and you know just over the top, okay, you do you, you know, like if, if, if the world is going to let it happen, like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be mad at the person who's like running around being like, I'm going to set things on fire when they do exactly what they told you they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I think what made this story land differently for me personally than say, you know, Theranos is like, who are the victims here? Right. Like it's it's a bunch of venture capital firms. Uh and you know, like it's there there aren't any patients in danger, right? It's not like Uber where right. you're uh, you know, some of the things that Travis uh, Kalanick did were, were pretty morally suspect. I mean, here it's oh, essentially yeah. the the core of this is someone that was uh, grandiose and trying to uh, make his business grow and getting into some really stupid financial deals uh, because of it and wasting a lot of billionaires and millionaires' money, basically. Um, so let's not say it's right. I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying it's there's less of a clear victim, if that makes sense, or rather it's their own oh, fault yeah. for not setting safeguards. Well, well, that I mean, that's kind of how I feel. Is I kind of feel like, uh, you know, the, the only people I feel for are the employees who lost their jobs. Those are literally yeah. the only people I feel for. Those people I, I feel for yeah. quite a bit. Um, and and I, and I should say, people who lost their jobs, I don't, I don't have that much. I'm not going to like cry too much over people who are like, oh, I thought my stock was going to be worth all this money and then it's not. 
you know what? That's working Yeesh. at a startup. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like that, that is working at a startup and I have sympathy, but I'm also not going to cry for you because that is something that many of us have gone through. Um, what I think is interesting about this though, is, uh, we should talk about the characterization a little bit. Um, so you, how much of the first episode did you see? Um, uh, probably Simone? the first 40 minutes, so like two thirds of it. Okay, so did you did you get to the point where they had um, just um, opened uh, up and like he was walking through the the finished office for the first time? Okay, but but did, but did you get to the, to the part where they flash back again, where it's the, you know because it opens with him being ousted by the board? Did you get back to the thing where where he's in the elevator with Rebecca and and she she talks to him? Not yet. Okay, okay, because there's 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 I'm this excited. amazing line that she kind of delivers. I have to say, Anne Hathaway, her character in this is. Um, so many girls that I went to college with and is, <laughs> is just, um, because there's a very specific like type of, of, yes. um, uh, like new age. Think about no, oh. it's, it's beyond that. It, no, no, it's, it's, it's a money thing. It, it's a money and it's the class thing. And, and, gotcha. um, and it's, it's, it's like, uh, it, it's so she, she nails it on such a, a level that it's so good. The voice I've watched the actual Rebecca Newman like videos is dead on. Like, like, um, you know, um, uh, Jared Leto famously goes into character completely for his roles because he's, you know, like Jeremy Strong. Yeah. He's that guy. Well, yeah, but you know, the performance here is great. Jeremy um, Strong and- doesn't do method though. Jared's yeah, method, I think. No, it's different. It's a different, um, thing. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, they both are are too much. But anyway, Jared is is very method, and and um and Anne is not method, but she does a great job with this role. I actually think it's different than some of the other ones she's played. But I, I can see Brie how you would think it was similar. But she she does it like beautifully. I don't know the 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 character. Let's just put it this way: I'm going to be her for Halloween. Yes. Um, I'm I'm looking at buying the sleeve glasses that she wears. Um, and in in at the the beginning of the first episode, uh, my friend Sarah found them for me because I was, I was trying to figure out like if they were Selena or if they were someone else. And she was like, no, I, I, I got you. My friend Sarah actually texted me and she was like, if you're not this for Halloween, I'm going to kill you. I was like, no, you're, you're, you're correct. I, I got it. I'm trying to get the voice down to see if I can get the mimicry uh, sort of right. So I can do some TikToks. But anyway, no, it's, uh, the acting is really good. And, um, I don't know what's interesting about WeWork is that obviously they, they grew too fast. And obviously they, they made like way too many inroads and, and made poor financial decisions. But what you can't get away from watching, and I think, again, this is it's different than, than the dropout, um, is that the core idea of WeWork is a really good one. You know, like like fundamentally, WeWork is not a bad idea. WeWork is a really good idea, and it's a good product too. Yeah, I, I mean, think, I think that's, that's also different. Existence, the more low key existence of other co working spaces, right? No, but WeWork is different in that regard. Like a we Mashable had a WeWork in I don't know, probably twenty eleven. I want to say 2011, 2012, We were in a couple of them. So some of the very first WeWorks we had spaces in, and it's just a different vibe than other co working spaces. It's just a completely different sort of thing. It was nicer. It was more luxury. It was um, uh, more pleasant. It, it had you know like better ways of, of accessing things. It's just it's just a better experience. Just a better product. One of those things that, frankly, I think that if anything, their problem for a long time was they didn't charge enough. Um, yeah. They they were in this you know um, uh, you know like goal to acquire as much office space as they could. And they were in a goal to like grow at all costs that they didn't realize, okay, actually, if we grew a little bit slower, 
we could charge more because the product is superior. Even now, mm. you know, as, as people start going into hybrid stuff, it's kind of interesting. I feel like there's a moment for WeWork is never going to be a $46 billion company. And I, I don't think that it ever should have been. <laughs> but right. I, I feel like that, that there is an opportunity that it could actually be a successful company because, which again, is very different from Theranos. Like the product actually worked. They just grew too fast and, and made yeah, bad they got, financial they got decisions. greedy with it. Well, and, and went off on some tangents that didn't make <laughs> sense. What, what to me makes this show so good though is, you know, like, look, we covered, we work on this show. Like we all read the Wall Street Journal pieces. We got the nuts and bolts of the financial argument about why it doesn't work. The reason this show is so compelling is Rebecca and Adam Newman yes. and the portrayals of them and the yes. humanity that you see with his manic decisions at work and the pressure that he's under and their relationship as you know he's courting her and eventually they get married and they have children and they're trying to grow the board and all of that. It is it is really human portrayal of all of these events to the point it's 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 a compelling show. Right. I care about these characters. I care about what's happening there. It's it's really it's it's I think that like dropout started with being very much new stuff and new characterization of all these people. And don't get me wrong, it's excellent. I love that show and we should talk about the finale sometime. What made this really, really good to me is at a certain point, dropout is going through the same beats of Theranos that we've read in yep. Bad Blood and we've seen on TV and we've read in articles and I've seen in documentaries, two documentaries actually at this point, and I know by heart. This was going into the detail that I really didn't know. And I think it's probably the second best show I've seen on Apple TV to date. Speaking of that, though, there's a lot of good stuff on there right now. Severance. Yeah. Severance is, yeah. so Severance is going to win all the Emmys. Severance is is great. Um, let's wrap this bad boy up. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by CrowdStrike. Here's an unsettling fact for you that I deliver in a, a very <laughs> a voice, an unassuming voice. 70% of cyber attacks are targeted at small to mid-sized businesses. You might be wondering how serious a cyber t- attack even is. Well, about half of businesses will become unprofitable within a month of being breached. Cyber criminals know that smaller businesses may not have the resources to defend themselves from ransomware and malware. This makes smaller companies an easy target, and the ransoms collected can add up really quickly. If you want to better protect your business, CrowdStrike has a solution for you. Falcon Pro by CrowdStrike is the cybersecurity solution that your small business needs. It provides superior prevention from cyber attacks, detects malicious activity, and offers immediate response capabilities for your business. And it's all fully deployed in just minutes to protect your organization. Falcon Pro provides features like antivirus protection, firewall management, device control, and integrated threat intelligence, all in one cloud-based solution. With Falcon Pro, your systems are protected against all cyber threats, not just malware, even when devices aren't connected to the internet. And you can say goodbye to sluggish antivirus scans and inconvenient reboots that delay your team's productivity. Rated 4.9 out of 5 by Gartner Peer Insights, CrowdStrike is the cybersecurity that your team needs. 
Head to crowdstrike.com slash rocket to start a 15-day free trial. That is crowdstrike.com slash rocket for a free 15-day trial of CrowdStrike Falcon Pro. Our thanks to CrowdStrike for their support of this show and Relay FM. Christina, what are you up to this week? So I am um, now I'm uh, starting, I guess, God, shoot, is this week three of the new job? Yeah, wow. I think it um, is. Time to, yeah, time moves fast. So um, I'm still, you know, uh, drinking from the fire hose, as they say, which is great. Um, and uh, uh, by the way, any uh, listeners out there, if, if you happen to be a hubber and I don't know you already, please reach out. Just I'm curious. It, you, there are, I would be not at all surprised if that is like not a thing, but I'm just throwing that out there. If there is, I would love to know um, you. Um, and uh, so just uh, getting um, busy with some work stuff. We're going to be doing some content. Um, I'm not sure when it'll be up. There will be some content that will be on the GitHub YouTube channel soon. So go ahead and subscribe to uh, youtube.com slash GitHub. And um, I'm uh, about to leave and have um, dinner with a, with a friend. It's spring. Oh. Although it's cold this week. It was really I warm. I heard it was like, freaking snowing. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it's like 39 degrees right now, which is stupid. Um, especially when it was like 60-something a few days ago. So weather's weird. Oh, gosh. Uh, Brianna, what are you up to? I have not one, not two, but three huge projects I'm trying to bring across the finish line right now. Uh, and unfortunately, I cannot talk about any of them on Rocket this week, but uh, I will be able to do that soon. But uh, my God, I'm so, I'm so overworked right yeah. now. And it's crazy. Here we are upending your whole schedule. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Well, I... I'm going to see RRR a second time. It is an Indian action movie uh, that came out this spring. I think it's been out in India for a while. Um, I just heard about it on Twitter a couple weeks ago because Patrick H. Willems, uh, the YouTuber, uh, was raving about it. And then more people were raving about it. And I was like, I, okay, I'll go see I'll go see this three hour long movie. Holy cow. It is so freaking good. It takes place in the 1920s India. It's about two two dudes, two dudes being dudes, bros, lads. I love them who are fighting for Indian independence against the British Empire um, and doing the most bonkers action sequences that I've ever had the deep, deep pleasure of seeing with my eyes. Uh, as I, I saw it, um, I went to see it alone and there was a guy sitting like one seat down for me and I would occasionally like catch a view of him out of the corner of my eye. And every time he would be in a pose, like lean forward with like his hands cradling his face, like cradling his head, like he couldn't believe what he was seeing. I myself was flailing in my seat and going, oh my God, and making loud crying sounds um both from the beautiful action that i was seeing but also the the stunning uh faces on display before me of the handsome handsome stars of this incredibly beautifully shot film uh, if you've seen bahubali on on it's a another uh telugu action film it's on netflix uh it's by the same director um and this one has 
much better CGI because it wasn't made in the year 2015. Uh, unfortunately, I think it ends its New York run on Wednesday night, but it is still playing in New Jersey. And I think it's still playing around the Seattle area. Like it's playing in Redmond and Monroe. I know Monroe isn't like Seattle area, but whatever. We have to make do with what we've got. Um, and it, it freaking rules. It's so good. It's so rare that I like approve of a film being over two hours. But this one... Every second of it is used wisely and well to stun me with its its beauty. So uh, it rocks. Dudes rock. R-R-R. Like the letter R three times. That's my advice to you. That's what I'm doing this week. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I told you you'd be mad at me. You're but so I, excited. No, I love it. I love no, it. No, I love it. No, you are energy. so excited. And, so, and sorry, and, and sorry, what's it called again? R-R-R. R-R-R. Okay. Yep. Uh, you can watch the trailer. It will also stun you. I also recommend just going and not watching the trailer because <laughs> the stuff that happens is unbelievable. Um, I can't wait to see it again. I haven't been thinking about anything else uh, for the past week since I saw it. Uh, okay. Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, I guess you can see me seeing this movie soon enough. But I hope uh, you, you do. You can find me online at Brianna Wu on Twitter. And Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. You can find my work stuff, although they're stars. I'm not really doing a lot of contributions so far at a film girl, one word, at GitHub. Um, and of course, you can subscribe to uh, to GitHub's YouTube or TikTok, uh, youtube.com slash uh, uh, GitHub. So that's that's good stuff. But um, yeah. And uh, that link will also be in the show on- notes, listeners, if you'd like yes. to subscribe to Christina's new YouTube channel. Yes, please, please subscribe. Um, and uh, yeah, but film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Doom Quasar and at YouTube.com slash Polygon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rocket. I hope you liked it and that you are in the process even now as I speak of leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Or perhaps you're even texting a friend to say, ha ha, just listen to the greatest podcast episode I've ever had the pleasure of hearing in my ears. Here it is for you, a link. And then you send, you press send, you send the link to them. You send the link to your friend. That's what you're doing right now. I know you are. Thanks, best listener in the world. I appreciate you. This episode of Rocket. Feel free to review the show and then answer the Legend of Zelda question. I asked Simone at the beginning. Just leave it there. Yeah, actually, that's a really good idea. Who's the person that uh, Link rescues at the beginning? I will read those reviews. Surprises. It's it's Linnea. Okay, so this episode of Rocket is terminated. It's terminated. Terminated. It's terminated. Such a disappointment. Terminated. Terminated.